Joe Biden declares victory is on the way against COVID while taking credit for a bunch of stuff he didn't actually do. The Pentagon attacks Tucker Carlson and Amazon says it will not allow books that contradicts the LGBTQ plus agenda. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Thousands of my listeners have already secured their internet. Join them at expressvpn.com. Slash Ben, we'll get to all the news in just one moment, including President House Plant's big speech last night on COVID. First, let me remind you, you are spending way too much on that cell phone bill. The word is now out. People are abandoning their overpriced wireless carriers. They are flocking to Pure Talk for the same coverage, but at a fraction of the price. That is correct. If you're with Amazon or Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, switching to Pure Talk could save your family over $800 a year. Switching is really easy. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. And right now, you can get unlimited talk text, six gigs of data for just 30 bucks a month. And if you go over on data, they're not going to charge you for it. There's a reason. Pure Talk is the highest rated wireless company by consumer affairs. Stop giving your money to those overpriced wireless carriers. Start saving money today. Here's the thing. A lot of these wireless carriers, they'll trick you. They'll tell you that what you actually need is unlimited data. But you're not using unlimited data. You're not using anything close to unlimited data. Why not instead get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data for 30 bucks a month? And if you go over, they're not going to charge you extra for it anyway. From your cell phone dial, pound 250, say Ben Shapiro. You will save 50% off your very first month. That is pound 250, say Ben Shapiro. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Again, dial pound 250, say Ben Shapiro. Save 50% off your very first month. All righty, so... Last night was Joe Biden's victory lap. It was very slow. He had to take a few breathers. He had to lie down a little bit. You know, maybe hit the toilet for a Metamucil break. But Joe eventually made it. Yesterday, he signed this enormous $1.9 trillion bill. Right? Now, remember earlier this week when the Washington Post was saying, every moment that this bill is delayed, people are dying. So they delayed for like 24 hours so he could sign the bill. Then, of course, he signed the bill and then he left without answering questions because President Houseplant must be protected at all costs. He's hiding the water stain, guys. If ever you move the Houseplant, we're all going to see the water stain. So yesterday, President Houseplant signs the, the bill and then uh, just leaves because that's what he does now. Thank you for being here. Where am I, though? Where is here? Thank you all. Appreciate it. Up and out. Catch you later. And he's going to stroll right on out because that is the way things are done here at the Biden White House. Okay, so last night he does this big primetime speech. His first primetime address as president of the United States. He still is not on a press conference. We're 100, like something like uh, 50 days in. He's, he, he, this, is, this is the longest stretch that we have gone without a presidential press conference in modern American history, I believe, uh, for a person who just entered office. So he gave a big primetime address last night and the media found it absolutely inspiring because, of course, they're going to find anything the man does inspiring. If he if he hotboxes them, if he farts in a car with them, it is inspiring stuff for the media. So ABC, I just have to show you how ABC trotted this thing out because it is indicative of how the news media treat Joe Biden. So whenever Trump did a speech, it would be controversial, embattled President Donald Trump gives a speech from the Oval Office. Will he be able to pull out of his tailspin? That's the framing. Now it's Joe Biden is here to save us all. The empath in chief is here to cry with us and to give us giant lump sums of cash. I mean, my God, what a, what a magnificent, magnificent old man. Here is ABC News's lead up to Joe Biden's incredible speech last night. This is an ABC News special report. Whoa. The pandemic one year later. Where does America go from here? A new chapter. 
Vaccinations ramping up. More than 64 million Americans now with at least one dose of the vaccine. And a promise of a big enough vaccine supply for all adults in this country by the end of May. The historic new COVID relief bill now signed into law. There is light at the end of this dark tunnel in the past year. How soon will help arrive? And as a country honors more than 528,000 lives lost, we must also ask about our future and how soon before America can find some form of normalcy. Tonight in prime time, President Biden addresses the nation. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's cut directly by the DNC, right? Except it's ABC, wrong initials. That is your news media. Joe Biden bringing us hope. When will we return to normalcy? A historic relief bill. Eh, shove it, man. Okay, so anyway, Joe Biden finally gives this speech. And um, the speech is not good. The speech is filled with untruths. He continues to maintain the fiction that COVID is going to burst out at any second and eat your face, that COVID is going to rise in any moment, and that he must maintain control. And also that apparently he created the vaccine, he created the vaccine rollout, and he ended COVID. Amazing for a man who has been asleep for the last several years. He's the Rip Van Winkle of COVID. He went to sleep, and when he woke up, COVID was over. But now he thinks that it's actually his his victory. He's the one who did it. So he leads off by talking about how the virus led off. And what he says is not true. Okay, the virus was already spreading by February. This we know. In the United States, it was spreading by February. This dude was doing rallies as of March 10th of last year. Okay, currently, today, it is March 12th. So he's like, well, you know, a year ago, we met and people were just dismissing the virus. Yeah, literally a year ago, you were doing rallies, man. Okay, here, here is Joe Biden pretending that all of his predecessors, particularly Trump, ignored the virus, even though I seem to remember everybody being locked in their home last year around this time. A year ago, we were hit with a virus that was met with silence and spread unchecked. Denials for days, weeks, then months. That led to more deaths, more infections, more stress, and more loneliness. Weird, because, um, you know, one of the people you guys were championing was Andrew Cuomo, the number two guy in terms of deaths per million. Also, Phil Murphy, number one guy in terms of deaths per million. So what exactly is your suggestion, Joe Biden, considering that it was people like Dr. Anthony Fauci telling people not to mask up and that the major metros of the United States actually did lock down? Like, none of this happens to be accurate. Then he gets to his point. We're only going to we're only going to get back to our lives by defeating the virus. Again, you didn't do anything, dude. The parade was moving and then they wheeled you out in front of it. And then you claimed that you are leading the parade. That's not how any of this works. You're just Harrison Ford and the fugitive infiltrating the parade and putting on a green hat and pretending you're there for St. Patrick's Day. That's not what this is. Okay, the parade was already moving. You moving out in front of it and then claiming they like he's it's I'm sorry. This is ridiculous. Serious. And for all of you asking when things will get back to normal, here is the truth. The only way to get our lives back, to get our economy back on track, is to beat the virus. You've been hearing me say that for while I was running and the last 50 days I've been president. But this is one of the most complex operations we've under, under, ever undertaken as a nation in a long time. Okay, um, he is not coherent. He's not saying things that are true. And when he is saying things that are true, they're complete platitudes. The only way to get back to normal is to defeat the virus. Who would have thought, guys? Who would have thought that the only way to get back to normal is when the virus starts to wane? Unique thoughts from Joe Biden. By the way, even that is not wholly true. Okay, the virus was still around last summer. States like Florida opened up. 
People were allowed to make their own decisions. And you know what happened? Florida outperformed all of Joe Biden's favorite states. Okay, then Joe Biden starts taking credit for stuff. And this part is the most ridiculous thing. Okay, by the time he took office, we were already giving a million shots a day. We were already on pace to give 100 million shots in 100 days because we were already giving a million shots per day by the time the guy took office. Okay, and now he's taking credit for the elderly getting their shots. Remember, by the end of February, he was supposed to have set up 100 federal sites all around the country for mass vaccination. The actual number of sites set up by Joe Biden, according to the Associated Press, seven. So no, you don't get to take credit for the elderly getting their shots. You know who gets to take credit for that? The various governors who've actually made sure that the elderly get their shots. You know how you can tell? Because there are certain areas where they've done a crappy job making sure the elderly can get their shots because they've been instead tranching out the vaccines based on equity, meaning based on race, as opposed to based on age, which makes no sense at all. But here is Joe Biden taking credit for stuff that he's not responsible for, as he has pretty much his entire career. Remember, the only reason he's president is because he was Barack Obama's vice president. He is not responsible for anything that he has done over the course of the last several months. He was the default against Bernie Sanders because basically everybody said, I'd rather vote for the corpse than vote for the socialist. And then he was the default against Trump because they said, I'd rather vote for the corpse than vote for orange man bad. And then he takes advantage of a vaccine program not created by him and a distribution program not headed by him and then says that he is the guy who made all of it happen, which is just not true. And the media, of course, are just they're just sycophantically drooling over the guy, which is unbelievable because, again, he is a houseplant. Okay, I understand that you like the houseplant. I understand that geraniums are nice, but guess what? The president being a houseplant does not make him a leader. You can't simultaneously be a leader and a houseplant. Here's President Houseplant taking credit for things. When I took office 50 days ago, only 8% of the Americans after months, only 8% of those over the age of 65 had gotten their first vaccination. Today, that number is 65%. Just 14% of Americans over the age of 75, 50, 50 days ago, had gotten their first shot. Today, that number is well over 70%. Okay, so a couple things. One, he's citing the increase in the percentages. They were already ramping up. You can see the line. Okay, you can see the line. If you look at the actual line as to the percentages of people who are getting the vaccine, what you'll see is it does not look exponential. It does not look like it was a low rate and then Biden came in and magically fixed the program. And then all of a sudden it started to skyrocket. That's not what it looks like. It looks like a consistent arithmetic increase. Okay, that's what it looks like. But here he is saying that he is responsible solely for the increase in the number of the elderly vaccinated. His own CDC was recommending standards that did not actually comply with the idea that we were going to do it based on age. States that actually tranched it out to the elderly were doing it in spite of Biden. They were doing it in spite of the CDC. We read you the CDC standards. The CDC standards took into account equity. They suggested that frontline workers who were 20 because they were disproportionately minority ought to be given the vaccine alongside 75-year-olds, which made no sense at all. It was only under pressure the CDC even walked that back. So the way that this works is that Joe Biden is going to take credit for everything Ron DeSantis did well, and then he's going to yell at Ron DeSantis for being a bad governor. That's the way all of this works, basically. He is not responsible for any of this. He has not overseen a damned thing. Okay, it has been states that have overseen this stuff. He had one job. His one job was to obtain the vaccine. Any president worth his salt would have done so. He has now obtained some, for some odd reason, four times the amount of vaccine that the United States actually needs. And now he is claiming credit for a vaccine distribution program that he does not head. It is all headed locally and state-based. Okay, now Biden makes a big announcement. So you saw it in that ABC News, that, that ABC News sexual favor to Joe Biden where he said, wow, he's going to, he announces that everyone will be eligible to get this, the shot by May 1st. I'm going to order it. Okay, buddy, let's just be straight about this. 
Everybody is going to be getting the shot by May 1st without you. Without you. All the adults are going to be getting the shot, having nothing to do with your silly edict. You know who promised that we would actually all have the shots by the beginning of June and y'all mocked him? President Trump. Now it's been accelerated by one month because governors have done a better job than you did, by the way. And now you're saying, oh, well, look at me. I, I've never seen somebody so, it, it really is, it's amazing. He is eager to just get out in front of parades that he did not create and that are not for him. It's, it's bizarro world. Here he was saying adults are going to be able to get the shots by May 1st and the media treating this as transformative. The folks over at the New York Times, it's amazing. What, a, what an amazing promise. All the adults are going to be able to get the vaccine. Okay, adults are already getting the vaccines. Adults are already getting the vaccines. That has nothing to do with his magical edicts. Here he is, the houseplant. Tonight, I'm announcing that I will direct all states, tribes, and territories to make all adults, people 18 and over, eligible to be vaccinated no later than May 1. Let me say that again. All adult Americans will be eligible to get a vaccine no later than May 1. That's much earlier than expected. No, it isn't. It's not. It's what was expected. If you just watch the trajectory again, he's just saying like the sun will rise. The sun is going to rise in the in the in the in the morning in the east. I declare an edict that it will be so. And he falls over. Everybody's like, whoa, that's amazing. You know, the sun wasn't going to rise in the east until Joe Biden said it. Now that Joe Biden said it, the sun's going to rise in the east. Amazing. If it weren't for Joe Biden, the sun would not have risen. We'd all be dead. We would all be dead. But Joe Biden declared the sun will rise in the east and set in the west. And unbelievably enough, that's actually what's going to happen. What an amazing guy Joe Biden is. It's like the it's like Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court, right? He knows that there's going to be a solar eclipse. And so he predicts the solar eclipse because he's from the future. Right? So he knows when the solar eclipse is going to happen. So he's a magic man. We all know, except, except it's not a miracle. We all know that the trajectory is to this point. In fact, Joe Biden is so ridiculous that he is now reversing trajectory on things like school reopenings. So on some things, he's like, yeah, it looks like there are going to be enough shots tranched out for people to get it by May 1st, and I'll take credit for that. On other things, he is actively moving against best medical and scientific advice. So here he was last night saying, we're accelerating plans to open schools. What the F do you mean accelerating plans to open schools? My kids have both been in school since September. The hell are you talking about? Most kids in the United States are attending some form of school in person. Your CDC recommended that 99% of kids be in hybrid learning or at-home only situations. You're accelerating plans to open the schools? You've been one of the lead factors in, in stymieing plans to open schools. You've been one of the lead obstacles. They put the house plant in front of the train. Here is Joe Biden saying he's accelerating plans to open schools. Again, this is, it's just nonsense. And, and what, what is maddening about this is the gaslighting. The media declaring that this is transformative stuff. He just used COVID as an excuse to cram down a $2 trillion boondoggle designed to pay off all of his political allies at the state and local levels and to pay off the unions and to set up these massive entitlement programs that he intends to keep around far beyond the lifespan of COVID. That's all this was. And now he's declaring victory. Amazing. A week ago, it wasn't victory. Today, it's victory. Here he says, we're accelerating plans to open schools. The accelerating plans. His entire administration has been run by the teachers unions, top to bottom. Ridiculous crap. With the passage of the American Rescue Plan, and I thank again the House and Senate for passing it, and my announcement last month of a plan to vaccinate teachers and school staff, 
including bus drivers. We can accelerate massive nationwide effort to reopen our schools safely and meet my goal that I stated at the same time, about 100 million shots, of opening a majority of K-8 through schools in my first 100 days in office. The majority of K-8 through schools are already open. They're already open. He's just, again, I declare that my goal is that tomorrow morning, the sky will exist. Not even that it'll be blue, that it will exist. And media's like, oh my God, he made the sky exist. That's unbelievable. Oh, it's so maddening. It's so maddening. Because if you follow politics on a day-to-day basis, you know that what he's saying is untrue. You know that him claiming credit for stuff that is not his responsibility is untrue and that he has reversed progress in things like school reopenings. It's absurd. But again, the media have a stake in endless Democratic rule, and so they will continue to pump this guy up. They'll continue to prop up Bernie and wheel him around as though that guy's leading the parade. Okay, in just a second, we'll get to some more of his ridiculous pronouncements in this speech, which again, was treated as a hopeful speech by the media. I didn't hear a lot of hope here. What I heard is a guy who wants to maintain control because control allows him to do all the things he wants to do. We'll get to more of this in one second. First, let us talk about the fact that there are easy ways to upgrade the look and feel of your home. One of those ways is your window coverings. Blinds.com. They make it simple to shop top quality blinds, shades, and interior shutters from home with easy online ordering and free shipping. The experts at blinds.com understand that window treatments are one of the household items you don't just think about, but they can in fact make an enormous impact on the look and feel of your home. If you've ever walked into a home, where they just have like the old-fashioned blinds from the wire. They, they, look, they look terrible, right? And then you walk into a home and they've got brand new shades or brand new shutters and they look great. Well, you can upgrade and you can do it quickly and easily. Go to blinds.com, just take a look at all the options. You got faux wood blinds, cellular and roller shades, even outdoor shades. If you're nervous about trying them, there's no reason to be because blinds.com has helped millions of homeowners through the process. Plus, they guarantee the perfect fit whether you do it yourself or have them measure and install everything for you. I really appreciate the fact that we have great window coverings in our home. I want everybody to have the same. Head on over to blinds.com. See how much you can save when you check out online. Don't forget to tell them you heard about blinds.com from the Ben Shapiro Show. Helps us, helps them. Rules and restrictions may apply. Again, check them out at blinds.com right now. And when you check out, remember to let them know that you heard about them here on the Ben Shapiro Show. Okay, so then Joe Biden says, you should listen to Anthony Fauci about the vaccines. Here's the thing. Anthony Fauci keeps saying things that are scientifically untrue about the vaccines. He's been saying for weeks, that because he doesn't know, he has no idea whether if, if you get the vaccine, you can pass this along. You should really only get together in small groups. You shouldn't get on an airplane. All this is crap. It's not true. Okay, there are studies out from Pfizer. They demonstrate that transmission rates are 90% down for people who've had the vaccine. That the, effect, the effectiveness rate in terms of preventing serious illness is something like 97%. And the effectiveness rate in preventing death is like 99%. As Dr. Marty Makari of Johns Hopkins University has said, once you have the vaccines, and once it has taken, meaning the first month, one month after you take that first vaccine, you should be able to go out, take off the mask and, and live your life. You are now protected. That's not what Fauci is saying. Fauci has continued with this line pushed out by the Biden administration that we have to be cautious. Now, why do the Democrats want to be cautious? Because the more cautious you are, the more the economy suffers. And the more the economy suffers, the more they can blow out the spending with everybody clamoring for more money. The reason that this bill is popular is because people still perceive that COVID is a crisis and they believe that this is just a one-time giveaway. It ain't a one-time giveaway. It, it increases structural problems inside state and local governments that have not been forced to look again at their budgets. It generates child tax credits to people who don't even pay taxes. Without regard for family structure, it does not incentivize work. It does not incentivize family formation. Okay, these, are, these are programs that are meant to be permanent. Democrats are openly saying this now. Okay, but here is Joe Biden saying, listen to Fauci, listen to the science. Captain, we need to keep the schools closed here. 
Listen to Anthony Fauci, who, by the way, should have been fired long ago. We've got work to do to ensure that everyone has confidence in the safety and effectiveness of all three vaccines. So my message to you is this. Listen to Dr. Fauci, one of the most distinguished and trusted voices in the world. He's assured us the vaccines are safe. They underwent rigorous scientific review. I know they're safe. Vice President Harris and I know they're safe. He's not even speaking English. Honest to God, he is not speaking English anymore. Okay, and then he continued. It's amazing. And we we had full on debates last year between two people who couldn't speak English. And they say that this isn't the diverse country. In any case, Joe Biden says that by July 4th, we can get back to our traditional celebrations. Now, this is what I needed. I needed permission from this old coot telling me what I can and cannot do. I've needed permission from my politicians all the way along because you see, I'm not a sentient human being with the ability to assess risk. I'm not a person who looks at risks and then makes my own assessment, even though that's exactly what I, like all other human beings do. Now, I'm the kind of person where when I saw that the virus was spreading widely last year, it was around Purim time in the Jewish community, before any of the lockdowns went into effect, I told my parents we're not going to Purim parties because I can see this is a problem. I was an advocate of masking when there was widespread in the community. I was never an advocate of mandatory mask programs because I didn't think they were effective and they wouldn't be enforceable. But I was an advocate of masking. I was always one of the more cautious people I knew about COVID. And yet the idea is that I'm not allowed to make my own assessment. I need Joe Biden to make an assessment for me. Okay, so now he lays out something that is completely ascientific. The standard that Joe Biden is about to lay out right here is completely anti-scientific. It is not the science. It is not what his own CD standards, CDC standards recommend. Once again, he is downplaying expectations, knowing that we're going to meet those expectations long before the date that he's setting. And so one of the problems for President Trump in politics is that he kept over-promising and then under-delivering, which was weird because he had a lot to deliver, right? He would say, we're going to have 97% economic growth. And then we would have like 5% economic growth, which is really good. And people be like, he missed his mark. Joe Biden will be like, we're going to have a 7% negative economic growth. And it'll be like a 2% growth rate. People are like, whoa, that was amazing. So that's what he's doing with COVID right now. What he's doing is he's saying, you know, at a certain point in the long way future, maybe you can get together with small groups. And then guess what? You can get together with small groups right now if you're vaccinated. In fact, scientifically speaking, you can get together with large groups right now if you are vaccinated. But here's Joe Biden telling you what you can and cannot do because you need advice from this old codger. If we do all this, if we do our part, if we do this together, by July the 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends will be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout and a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. That doesn't mean large events with lots of people together, but it does mean small groups will be able to get together after this long, hard year. Small groups will be able to get together, according to Joe Biden. Okay, in a second, I'm going to explain to you why this is so unbelievably stupid, okay, and anti-scientific, according to his own administration. We'll get to that in one second. First, let us talk about the fact that a lot of people have a balance on their credit cards, and you got a higher interest rate than you would prefer. I mean, the fact is, one of the ways that people get in serious trouble is they rack up the charges on the credit card, and then they don't pay it off. And then all of a sudden, you're getting charged just insane percentages on your interest rate, and you get really behind the eight ball. It's a really bad way of falling into a serious financial situation. Instead, why not pay off your credit cards and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream? Rates start at just 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. It's much lower than the national average interest rate on credit cards. Plus, 
the rate is fixed. So it's never going to go up over the life of the loan. Get a loan from 5,000 bucks to 100,000 bucks with absolutely no fees. You can even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Lightstream believes people with good credit deserve a better loan experience. And that is exactly what they deliver. Again, I've seen a lot of people who have fallen into credit card debt. Not something you want to do. Instead, go consolidate those credit card loans right now and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Just for my listeners, you can apply right now to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. The only way to get the discount, go to lightstream.com slash Shapiro. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash Shapiro, lightstream.com slash Shapiro. Subject to credit approval rates range from 5.95% APR to 19.99% APR and include 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply. Offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Shapiro for more information. Okay, so you heard Joe Biden right there say, maybe by July 4th, maybe by July 4th. So first of all, it's fun that we get to celebrate July 4th again, because for a while there, it seemed like July 4th was a celebration of the most terrible country ever to be created. And Colin Kaepernick put out a whole post about how July 4th was terrible. Great patriot that Colin Kaepernick is being celebrated by the Democratic Party. Apparently, July 4th is now back on the menu. So that's good. Also, he says, by July 4th, you can get together with, I love how he just trots that out. There's like, you can get together with, with your neighbors and with your family. And friends at a cookout, not in big groups, in small groups. Okay, I'm going to read to you from the CDC website. You ready? Fully vaccinated people can, quote, visit with other fully vaccinated people indoors without wearing masks or physical distancing. Visit with unvaccinated people from a single household who are at low risk for severe COVID disease indoors without wearing masks or physical distancing. Refrain from quarantine and testing following a known exposure if asymptomatic. In other words, today, not July 4th, today, March 12th, if you are fully vaccinated, you can get together with small groups of people, according to the CDC. And the CDC guidelines are way the hell too restrictive. Because guess what? That CDC standard makes no sense. I'm going to read that last line again. They say that if you're fully vaccinated, you can refrain from quarantine and testing following a known exposure if you're asymptomatic, which means they are not worried that you are going to get it if you are, if you are vaccinated. They are not worried that you are going to spread it if you are vaccinated, which means if you're vaccinated, you should be able to go out and do whatever the hell you want. Okay, so the CDC is too restrictive. And then Biden's like, the CDC standard that applies today, if we're good little boys and girls, then I will grant you the crumb of freedom that on July 4th, you'll be able to do. July 4th? The F you talking about, dude? You're talking about like three months down the road? March to April, April to May, May to June, June to July. You're talking about four months down the road right now? Four months? Okay, we, we actually already are meeting in these groups. Like a while ago, nobody's paying attention to him. And, and people who, and my, my favorite part of this entire speech is he did this whole thing about how what we really learned is that we have to trust government. No, that's pretty much the last thing we learned here. The last thing we learned is that we need to trust government. What we actually learned is that we need to trust big pharma. That's what we actually learned here because big pharma did the heavy lifting. Government didn't develop crap. The government provided financial incentives that were perfectly obvious to everyone. Okay, but, but the reality is that it was, it was individual decision-making. It was state and localities that allowed people to live their lives. It was big pharma developing a vaccine in record time. Those are the people who ought to deserve credit. If we're going to look at big government Democrats and how they did during this pandemic, the answer is they did unbelievably horribly. Again, the worst states in America were the ones that locked down places like New York and New Jersey. California wrecked its economy, locked everyone in their house for a year, and have the same deaths per million rate as Florida, which didn't lock anybody up, opened all of its schools and told people to go live their lives. Okay, by the way, Joe Biden just wants to let you know that while he is saying that you might be able to get together in small groups by July, also he might shut it down again. There might have to be more shutdowns. Mm -mm. Nope, nope, 
The data demonstrates the shutdowns have not been useful. The lockdowns have not been useful. But here's Joe Biden threatening you again. If you're not good little girls and boys and non-gender binary humans, then I guess that, that, you know, maybe if, 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 you're, if you're bad, if you don't listen to Joe Biden, then he might lock you down again. Old man might lock you in the closet again. Unity is what we do together as fellow Americans. Because if we don't stay vigilant and the conditions change, then we may have to reinstate restrictions to get back on track. And please, we don't want to do that again. We've made so much progress. This is not the time to let up. What do you mean not the time to let up? Like, we're getting vaccines. What, what, are, you, what are you talking about right now? Okay, so this all plays into the broader Democratic narrative, which is that Joe Biden is curing COVID by spending oodles of money we don't need to spend. Because the reality, again, is that COVID is on the wane. We are at the lowest infection rates since the beginning of the pandemic. People are getting out and about. They're going back to their regular lives after they are vaccinated. They're meeting with their families. They're going out to parties. They're doing all the normal things that they ought to do. They ought to take off the masks. It is good for American society that we can see each other's faces. It is good to relieve the depression and anxiety that come along with isolation if we can go back to leading our regular lives. But Democrats don't want that because then they wouldn't have the impetus to spend more money again and again and again. So Chuck Schumer makes the absurd contention that we're going to be back to normal because of the COVID relief bill. That's absurd. We're going to be back to normal because we can all go back to work and we can go to parties and we can go to concerts and we can go to baseball games. We're not going to be back to normal because you sent a bunch of checks to people who weren't unemployed in the first place. Here's Chuck Schumer saying just stupid crap. The $1,400 matters. Help is on the way. The vaccines, they're going to come much quicker and much more widespread than people ever thought. What? It is now thought that maybe even as early as June, we'll have enough people vaccinated that we can go back to life as normal. Who wouldn't want that? So this bill, it has so many good things, so many good things, and it's geared to what America needs. No, it is absolutely not geared to what America needs. It's geared to what Democrats need. It spends hundreds of billions of dollars on states and localities that have run their businesses like crap, and they're fining essentially states that have stayed open in favor of states that have stayed closed. The, the, the bill's a monstrosity. It's a terrible bill. It's a really, really bad bill. Okay, meanwhile, I got Zeke Emanuel, who, it, it, it is kind of weird that one of the chief advisors to the president of the United States on COVID-19 is a person who wrote a column not all that long ago saying that he wanted to die at the age of 75. COVID kills people over the age of 75. So, all right. But apparently, he says that by summer or early fall, we'll be back to normal. Summer or early fall? How about next week? Next week sound good for you? How about last week? How about like months ago, people were back to living their lives. They were just socially distancing and wearing masks. And how about the fact that once they have the vaccines, as in like now, particularly the people who are most vulnerable, because if you're 20, you ain't dying of COVID by the statistics. Your chances of dying are extraordinarily low by the stats. Okay, how about once all the people who are most vulnerable have been vaccinated, we go back to our regular lives. But no, we have to have the experts tell us. You need the guidance of a man who said he would like to die at 75 about the deadliness of a disease that kills people mainly over the age of 75. Here's Ezekiel Emanuel. We don't know exactly where herd immunity and sort of killing the spread happens, uh, but somewhere in that time. So it does look like summer, early fall, we will be uh, getting back to uh, uh, normal. Um, and it's really important, I think, uh, Katie, you know what normal isn't COVID goes away entirely. Normal is um, you know, the background risk of COVID goes to something like the background risk of flu, uh, and it just becomes part of the everyday life. Oh, well, I, I guess that I guess that if he says so, then I guess we'll all just lock up until, you know, late summer or early fall. 
or we won't do any of that because these people are not in charge, nor should they be in charge. But again, they have to give you the impression that they did it, that the experts did it. The government experts, the public health experts, not the actual experts who created the vaccine, not the governors who let you live your life. No, the people who who made all of this magic happen are the people who are in top-down control. Why do they need that impression? Because if they ever give up that impression, we might say, well, then why do you need to spend all of this taxpayer money? Why do we need to trust you to reset all of America's social and economic standards? But there's great enthusiasm for that at this moment, and it crosses the aisle. And people like David Brooks, it's amazing. Does the New York Times have a single conservative columnist at this point? Ross Duthat is the only one who could maybe be considered a conservative. Ross is Ross is the most conservative of them. But David Brooks is not a conservative anymore. I mean, David Brooks just came out in favor of Joe Biden's entire economic plan. He said there was a premise throughout American history that if you worked hard, you would earn economic security. That's not as true for millennials and Generation Z or many other people across America. What is he talking about? We had the highest employment rate in modern American history one year ago, one year ago. He says, well, you know, we have a different emotional climate that the pandemic has magnified a climate of insecurity and precarity. These realities have produced an intellectual revolution. It was assumed, even only a decade ago, the Fed could not just print money with abandon. It was assumed the government could not rack up huge debt without spurring inflation and crippling debt payment costs. Both of these concerns have been thrown out the window by large numbers of thinkers. Well, I mean, if the thinkers say so, we've seen years of high debt and loose monetary policy, but inflation has not come. I mean, it has not come because the demand did not show up in mass number. So you didn't get the price inflation. And because all of the other countries around the world were doing the same thing that we were, which meant that we were still a good bet when it came to the dollar. But if we decide to blow this thing out in unilateral fashion, no people are not going to buy our debt. But says David Brooks, the restraints have been cast aside. We are now experiencing monetary and fiscal policies that would have been unimaginable a decade ago. The role of government is being redefined. This isn't socialism. This is not the federal government taking control of the commanding heights of the economy. This is not a bunch of programs to restrain corporate power. Americans trusting government is still low. This is the transfer state. Government redistributing massive amounts of money by cutting checks to people and having faith that they spend it in the right ways. Both parties are adjusting to the new paradigm. And he says, I'm worried about a world in which we spend borrowed money with abandon. But income inequality, widespread child poverty, and economic precarity are the problems of our time. It's worth taking a risk to tackle all of this. I, I, I love this kind of economic thinking. Sure, all of the wisdom in the past doesn't apply anymore because bad things are happening. So it's worth risking the entire American economy, which one year ago was booming under completely the reverse of, of, of Joe Biden's policies. It's worth risking the fundamental basis of that economy in order to what? Fight problems that, that were already on the wane by the time the pandemic hit? We had the fastest wage growth in decades under Trump. And David Brooks is like, well, that was a crisis. By the way, how, how ridiculous are the Democrats' assessments of the economy at this point? They're so ridiculous that the Washington Post editorial board is going, guys, slow up on the spending. The Washington Post. The Washington Post has an editorial today saying, there are two assertions we can confidently make about the level of federal debt the U.S. can sustain. First, it is higher than many commentators, ourselves included, commonly supposed until recently. Second, it is not infinite. Congress needs to take both of these points into account as it considers what to do now that President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief package has passed with a proposal for another $2 trillion or more in infrastructure spending on the way. The right answer isn't to pivot to, pivot to deficit reduction, of course. We had reservations about the size of the newly approved bill. The $350 billion allocated to state, local, and tribal governments seems excessive given their strong recent tax revenue recovery. Nevertheless, there's a case for borrowing a lot of money, but let's be real, we need higher revenues, reduced spending on lower priority items, a mix of the two. They say that debt that is large and uncontrolled would be unprecedented in American history. 
And according to the CBO, risky. So even the Washington Post is starting to get nervous about the kind of spending that Biden is proposing. But don't worry, they'll come around because they're the Washington Post and the media will prop up Biden. Again, I keep saying it over and over, but President Houseplant is necessary for the Democrats because he is an unthreatening face on a very threatening policy. His threatening policy of top-down COVID control, his threatening policy of we're going to spend more money than has ever yet been created, his threatening policy of we're going to take over every institution of the American government and outside the American government in favor of equity-based wokeness is deeply dangerous to American society. They just have to slap this oldster's face on it because he has an unthreatening face, right? That's all this is about. It's all it always was about. By the way, how threatening is this administration getting? According to Axios.com, President Biden is now being encouraged to effectively pack the nation's top campaign finance regulator with officials who will more doggedly enforce laws regulating political money. The FEC has been gridlocked for years. Now, some are pushing Biden to abandon protocol by sidestepping congressional Republicans and nominating regulators who will more aggressively enforce campaign finance rules. They want to just get rid of the of the Republicans on the commission. By law, the six-member FEC can have no more than three commissioners from either major political party. But there is one independent right now, and one of the two new Republican commissioners, Sean Cooksey, was confirmed in December. Biden could nominate a true Democrat to replace Cooksey, giving the commission a four-member pro-enforcement majority. This, of course, would completely undermine the ability of Republicans to fight back. Understand the campaign finance reform is a direct response by Democrats to the threat of new media. Okay, the old media is a giant in-kind contribution to the Democratic Party. New media and super PACs and people spending corporate money in order to elect Republicans, that is a direct response to the fact that the, the corporate media is designed on behalf of Democrats and operates on behalf of Democrats at this point. So if you can stack the FEC so that everybody gets regulated except for the labor unions and big media, you know what the outcome is going to be. And that is what Biden is being encouraged to do at this point. Alrighty, coming up, we're going to get to the Pentagon attacking Tucker Carlson, which, you know, it's weird. I seem to remember people suggesting it was fascist for members of the government to attack the press. Now you have the Pentagon literally commenting on Fox News shows and um, not to deny reports, but just to rip on a commentator. And this is considered okay. I'm weird, weird. Now, here's the thing. I truly believe the world would be a better place if people spent a lot more time reading books. Okay, And that is why they need to pick up a copy of Andrew Clavin's next book. It's the next installment of Another Kingdom. Another Kingdom is a, a terrific kind of fantasy noir series. He just released the third and final installment in his Another Kingdom series. The Emperor's Sword finds Austin lively on the run between two realities as his enemies close in on all sides. Despite wild success in life, he begins to realize a recurring vision is actually a nightmare in disguise. He's caught in the coils of a terrible magic. The only way he can save his soul, give up his success, re-enter the elven lands, and find the Emperor Anastasia so he can restore Queen Alinda to her throne. If you haven't read the first two books, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but this is why you should read the first two books and then pick up the Emperor's Sword. It is now available for purchase online. Go to Amazon.com, search The Emperor's Sword. Also, big news. Last November, we announced Candace Owens would be joining the Daily Wire family. People have been asking for months, when is Candace's show starting? When's it starting? I've gotten so many questions about this. Here is your answer. Next Friday, March 19th. But you must be a subscriber in order to see Candace's new show. You have to be a member. No one triggers the left quite like Candace, obviously. She trends every couple of days, whether she's slamming Harry Styles for wearing a dress or getting into Twitter wars with Cardi B for her Shakespearean lyrics. Many have tried to cancel. All have failed. If you don't know Candace, 
You should. Until in 2018, she kicked off the Blexit Foundation. It aims to change the narrative surrounding America's minority communities. She's also the author of the New York Times bestseller, Blackout, How Black America Can Make Its Second Escape from the Democrat Plantation. Get to know Candace, the real Candace, every week. She's going to share her humor, her insight, and she defies all the stereotypes starting next Friday, March 19th. That's next Friday. Candace will be exclusive to Daily Wire members. If you aren't a member yet, you need to head on over right now to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Candace for 25% off your subscription. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Candace for 25% off. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So remember that time when President Trump was a fascist dictator? Remember that time? Because he would criticize the press and it was like every time he said something bad about Jim Acosta, the entire media was in a frenzy. It's an, it's an attack on our free press. Okay, it's just terrible. He's a bad man. He's a bad orange man. What if I told you that the Pentagon is full on attacking a journalist? Like full on attacking a journalist. So Tucker Carlson did a segment the other night on Joe Biden making a speech about how we are creating new military uniforms for pregnant mothers or some such. And Tucker made a suggestion, which was, you know, typically pregnant mothers are not going to be on duty. So that's a very weird thing to trot out as sort of your top of line, as sort of your top line change to the military. In a time where our military really requires building up in the face of a Chinese threat, it seems weird to lead with. Also, we created a uniform for pregnant ladies or pregnant people because, sorry, forgive me, some men can get pregnant. So Tucker said this and the world was set aflame. How dare he say anything remotely like this. Now, let me make this absolutely clear. Everybody who's serving in the military and has volunteered for duty is doing something I didn't, and they are braver than I, okay? That is right up front. Also, it is kind of a weird thing to lead with. Our military policy is we created uniforms for pregnant women because pregnant women aren't typically going to be the ones who are doing the fighting. They're not going to be the ones who are flying the jets. They're not going to be the ones who are on the frontline combat teams. They're pregnant, right? I mean, <laughs> seems fairly obvious, but for Tucker saying this, he was taken to task by the Pentagon itself because we are now in the business of having government agencies respond directly to journalists they don't like and owning them because the Pentagon, I kid you not, put out an actual headline yesterday about owning the cons. They put out a headline like the Pentagon destroys Tucker Carlson, which is a different headline than the Pentagon destroys a terrorist with a drone. But I mean, kind of weird. Hey, so according to Axios, the Pentagon condemned Tucker Carlson for mocking women in the military. During the segment, Carlson said that President Biden's acknowledgement that policies are changing to encourage more women to join and stay in the armed forces was a mockery of the United States military. Well, that's not exactly what he said. But Kirby, who is the who is the Pentagon press secretary, he called out Tucker Carlson. He said, I want to be clear right up front that diversity of our military is one of our greatest strengths. Well, no, I mean, that's that's not true. The strength of our military is one of our greatest strengths. Having a lot of people who can meet like basic fitness standards, that is a great strength. Having a lot of people great at their jobs, that's a great strength. Diversity in its purest term is obviously not one of the great strengths of the military, not meaning that it's like a bad thing to have a bunch of people who are racially diverse in the military. That's fine. That's wonderful. But if you're talking about the chief strengths of the American military and you're talking about diversity, you don't have a lot of fat people in the military. You shouldn't have a lot of fat people in the military because you need them to actually do things. Right? You shouldn't have a bunch of people who have congenital heart disease in the military. There are actual standards to get into the military. And those, those standards to get in the military are good because what we are actually interested in creating is, effect, is an effective fighting force. So if you are looking for criteria on how to, to, how to judge the quality of a military, diversity ranks fairly low on the list. It's like effectiveness, physical fitness, ability under fire. 
And then like the racial makeup of the military, that one is kind of irrelevant. Like it, it, that's like it, it's nice, but it's not relevant to the to the actual fighting fitness of a fighting force, obviously. Okay, but the idea that diversity is like the number one priority of the military, which is sort of what Biden and the Pentagon are now saying, is very bizarre. And the, the military is generally not supposed to be the place for social engineering. It's supposed to be the place where you kick the hell out of people who try to attack us. That's what the military is, is generally for. We have lots of places for social engineering in American society. The military is not the A number one place for that. Now, the military has been used in the past for some pretty excellent social engineering, namely the desegregation of the military by Harry Truman. Right? That was a very, very good thing. And I'm glad that Harry Truman did it. But the notion that that is the purpose of the military, as opposed to an attempt to broaden the scope of the military to encompass more people who are qualified at a basic level to do the job, that is a different thing. Okay, so Kirby says, quote, I want to be very clear up front. The diversity of our military is one of our greatest strengths. I've seen it for myself in long months at sea and in combat waged by our troops in Afghanistan and Iraq. I've seen it up on Capitol Hill just this past month. I see it every day right here at the Pentagon. What we absolutely won't do is take personnel advice from a talk show host or the Chinese military. Maybe those folks feel like they have something to prove. That's on them. Then the U.S. Army responded on Twitter with a series of photos of female troops along the phrase, I am an American soldier. So we now have the Pentagon in a direct like flame war with Tucker Carlson. Way to, way to go after America's enemies, guys. Really well done. Imagine if the Pentagon had done this under President Trump. Imagine if you know, Jonathan Chait had said something about why the military's transgender policy is super bad and the Pentagon had just put out a bunch of memes attacking Jonathan Chait. You'd be like, why is the administration doing that? Why is the executive branch attacking journalists this way? But apparently it's totally fine to do it so long as it's Tucker Carlson and it's in favor of, of the woke ideology. That diversity is like the chief priority of the military. Okay, so this sort of stuff, unfortunately, uh, is becoming more and more common. Obviously, not just from the government, but also socially speaking. There's an attempt to bully out of public existence anybody who happens to be on the right. This is why you have MSNBC's Nicole Wallace now saying that any single company that donates to the GOP is a racist company. She, of course, says this on Joy Reid's Bizarre Show. The Republicans are now openly trying to disenfranchise voters. They're acknowledging that the more people vote, the worse the margins for Republicans will be. And any company that thinks they can give money to Republicans because maybe they like their positions on regulations or taxes needs to understand that they're voting for voter suppression. And if it's a company that has a product, they need to, I think, understand that that product will be associated with racist disenfranchisement of black voters. So the, the, here's Nicole Wallace openly calling on people to boycott any company that associates with her political opponents. Pretty amazing stuff. But that is the world in which we now live. A top-down government control pushed by Joe Biden and, and the government attacking its political opponents outside of government via the Pentagon, which again, if Trump had done it, would be considered authoritarianism. And of course, members of our vaunted media now trying to use their power to cudgel everybody else into shutting up. Pretty incredible stuff. Folks, what does everyone do when shopping online? Well, you jump to the reviews and you see what customers actually think. Well, Bull & Branch did the hard work for you. In a recent customer survey, 96% said Bull & Branch sheets get softer with every single wash. Bull & Branch sheets are made from the finest 100% organic cotton threads on planet Earth. Buttery to the touch, super breathable, Bull & Branch sheets are perfect for both cooler and warmer months. Their luxurious signature hem sheets were made without pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. They really do get softer with every single wash. Best of all, Bull & Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free trial 
with free shipping, returns on all orders. You're not going to want to return them. We love our Bowling Branch product. In fact, when I'm on the road, I actually travel with their cable knit throw blanket. It is that good. Their product is just awesome. After a long day, nothing feels better than a restful night's sleep in the softest, most luxurious sheets. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bull and Branch. Get 15% off your very first order when you use code Ben at bullandbranch.com. That's Bull and Branch, spelled B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code Ben. Exclusions apply. See site for details, bullandbranch.com. Okay, meanwhile, Speaking of cudgeling people into shutting up, Amazon has now announced it will not be selling books, will not be selling books, framing LGBTQ plus identities as mental illnesses. I assume that also includes mental disorders. If it includes mental disorders, then they're going to have to ban the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual number five, which labels gender dysphoria in its actual listing of mental disorders, because it is, in fact, a mental disorder. Now, they banned Ryan Anderson's book. So Ryan Anderson, of formerly of Heritage Foundation, now the Ethics and Public Policy Center, he had a book called When Harry Became Sally. And the entire book is very well considered. It does not attempt to say bad things about people who suffer from gender dysphoria. It talks about the various medical solutions that have been proposed and how effective they are or are not. It's a very well considered, well thought out, sympathetic book. Does not matter. Amazon pulled it down. So people tried to get answers from Amazon as to why the book was pulled down because that is digital book burning. Now, Amazon is, is saying, according to the Wall Street Journal, that it recently removed a three-year-old book about transgender issues from its platforms because it decided not to sell books that frame transgender and other sexual identities as mental illnesses. The company explained its decision in a letter Thursday to Republican Senators Marco Rubio of Florida, Mike Lee of Utah, Mike Braun of Indiana, and Josh Howley of Missouri. The senators had written last month to Chief Executive Jeff Bezos requesting an explanation of why the, the Ryan Anderson book was pulled down. As to your specific question about when Harry became Sally, we have chosen not to sell books that frame LGBTQ plus identity as a mental illness, Amazon said in the letter, which was signed by Brian Huseman, Amazon's vice president of public policy, referring to sexual identities that include lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender, among others. When Harry became Sally, of course, focuses on a variety of issues, including gender dysphoria. Anderson says, quote, everyone agrees gender dysphoria is a serious condition that causes great suffering. Okay, so what exactly are they banning? And the answer is they're not banning every book that says that gender dysphoria is a mental disorder because it clearly is a mental disorder. It is diagnosed as such. That is why treatment is recommended or not recommended, depending on your point of view. Instead, what Ryan Anderson points out is there is a debate which Amazon is seeking to shut down about how best to treat patients who experience gender dysphoria. They called the book an important contribution to that conversation. They said Amazon is using its massive power to distort the marketplace of ideas and is deceiving its own customers in the process. Okay, the, the, the fact that Amazon is now banning books on the basis of suggesting, for example, that watchful waiting is a better idea than puberty blockers for children, or the idea that transgender surgery might not actually be super effective in fighting the symptoms of gender dysphoria, that, that it's banning those books. I mean, that's full-fledged authoritarianism from the corporate media. And you know that this is Amazon's perspective, right? I mean, this is not scientifically settled material by any stretch of the imagination at all. And yet Amazon has decided that the debate is over. So it is only a matter of time before they start banning books that do not take the preferred line on climate change, for example. If you are like Michael Schellenberger or Bjorn Lomberg and you suggest that climate change is occurring, but the solutions provided by the left are not actually the solutions, those books will be taken down. If you believe that America is not systemically racist, those books presumably will be taken down. And all you have to do to find out what Amazon is going to take down next, and this is going to happen over the next couple of years during the Biden administration, what you're going to see as Amazon continues to do this, all you have to do to tell what they take down next is go take a look over at their movie page because you can see what they are recommending on the ideological side. So producer Savvy 
sent over an email from one of our listeners showing that Amazon is currently for Women's History Month or for, or, or for Independent Women's Day or something, International Women's Day. They were honoring women in film. One of the movies that they're honoring as female directed for women in film is The Matrix by the Wachowski brothers, who are now the Wachowski sisters, right? They're both transgender women. So Amazon is openly making the statement that The Matrix, which was directed by men, okay? It was directed by men. Those, those not only do these people happen to still be biological men, when they directed the film, they, were, they even identified as men. It was only later that they started identifying both as transgender women. Now that is considered a female directed film because again, transgender politics means that we change not only the laws of biology, pretending that men are women, but also the laws of physics, pretending they were always women even when they were men, right? We actually can, they say time travel is impossible, not anymore. Now it's completely possible. You can go back and actually change history by declaring that today you identify as a woman. This means you are always a woman, which means that Bruce Jenner is the single greatest female athlete in human history. Sorry, Caitlyn Jenner, single greatest female athlete in human history, not even close, defeating men with ease all the way back during the Olympics in the 70s, like truly incredible stuff. So Amazon, when they put out, when they decide that they are going to push the notion that America is systemically racist, you know the next books that they're going to punish are going to be books like Heather McDonald's, which claim that America's police are not systemically racist because after all, they disagree. And this cannot be allowed to prevail. These views cannot be allowed in the public sphere. First of all, if Amazon continues to do this, then we'll just start our own book service. I mean, DW, we will. We'll start our own book distribution service which we can do. I mean, we have a Tumblr distribution service. We can make a book distribution service. We'll have to do that if they continue with this sort of crap. But this is exactly the sort of woke cram down that is occurring from everywhere from government to corporations to now universities. And so this is a crazy story. Here's a crazy story from Georgetown Law. According to the Washington Post, a Georgetown Law professor was terminated and a second was placed on leave after a video clip showed a conversation between the pair that included what an official called reprehensible Statements about black students, officials said Thursday. The conversation between adjunct professors Sandra Sellers and David Batson had triggered an investigation by Georgetown University's Office of Institutional Diversity, Equity, and Affirmative Action, which is an Orwellian title for an office that basically exists just to punish people for saying the wrong things. And there's an entire billion-dollar industry in the United States, offices of diversity at virtually every company designed to avoid liability. That's really what those are about. You can limit your liability and exposure to federal lawsuits if you have an office of diversity that polices inside your institution, quote unquote, racism, even if it's not actually racism. The school's Black Law Students Association had called for Sellers' firing. The video clip shared on Twitter this week showed Sellers discussing student performance. Sellers said in the video, quote, I hate to say this. I, ha I end up having this angst every semester that a lot of my lower ones are Blacks, meaning a lot of my lower performing students. Happens almost every semester. And it's like, oh, come on. You get some really good ones. But there are also usually some that are just plain at the bottom. It drives me crazy. Okay, now, the way this was interpreted is that black students are inherently dumber. That is not at all what the professor is obviously saying. The professor is saying that one of the problems with lowering standards of admission to have affirmative action people, uh, to have people get in via affirmative action means that you're going to have people who are misaligned with the school. This has been a long-supported thesis. Abigail Thernstrom wrote about this years ago in The Atlantic when The Atlantic was not a left-wing garbage salon knockoff. Okay, it used to be that everybody understood that if you lower standards for admission, a lot of the people who would have done really well at a school not as highly ranked as Georgetown actually underperform at schools like Georgetown because they got in having lower scores than the rest of the population at these particular schools. So this professor says some of my best-performing students are black, but... A disproportionate number of my lower performing students are black. And this makes me sad. This makes me upset. 
not sad at the black students, sad at a system that does not help black students to the extent that they are performing better. Sad at a system that is deliberately misaligning a certain number of black students with the school they should actually be going to. They'd be succeeding at a school that is not ranked in the top 20 law schools. They'd be succeeding at school number 40. But at Georgetown Law, they're having a tough time. And this makes the professor sad. This is fireable. If you even note that black students are disproportionately underperforming at some of these schools, which statistically they are, this means that you are racist. And if you're sad about it, you're upset about it, you want black students to do better. This means that you're even more of a racist, according to Georgetown Law. Law Center Dean William Trainer said Thursday he informed Seller she was terminated and that she had indicated she had planned to resign. Batson was placed on administrative leave pending the investigation, Trainer said. The dean said the incident underscores the school's need for more anti-bias training. There it is. All you have to do is pour a few billion more dollars into the Office of Diversity to re-indoctrinate everybody into the idea that you can't have any standards at all, and then all of this will go away. By the way, if Georgetown Law really wants to fix this problem, they should just get rid of grades. All grades should just go away. No more grades. Not even pass-fail. It's impossible to fail. Everybody, it should be like a, a Baltimore public school. You get passed whether or not you actually know how to read. He said officials are taking steps to ensure that students in Sellers and Batson's class are graded fairly. She wasn't saying that she was deliberately grading down black students. Precisely the opposite. She was saying that if she could have had the ability to do so, she would have graded black students better. But it's a problem because they're not performing as well. Sellers shared a resignation with the Washington Post in which she apologized for the hurtful and misdirected remarks that were part of a longer discussion about patterns in class participation. I would never do anything to intentionally hurt my students or Georgetown Law and wish I could take back my words, Sellers said in the letter. Regardless of my intent, I've done irreparable harm. And I'm truly sorry for this. No, you didn't. You didn't do irreparable, irreparable harm at all. Not one iota of irreparable harm. The only irreparable harm here is that Sellers is never going to work in academia again. Because any school in the future that hires this particular professor is immediately going to be hit with a wave of woke cancellation. They're going to be hit with a bunch of students claiming that they are going to protest at the dean's office if this professor is hired. She just ended her own academic career by apologizing. She never should have done it. She should have just said, that's not what I meant. Y'all know what I meant. I want black students to do well. That was the entire basis of the conversation. No. Then she'd be able to work again. But just like everybody who's intimidated, she put her neck out there and they're going to chop it right off. Hassan Ahmad, a Georgetown Law student who posted clips of the remarks on Twitter, said the conversation happened at the conclusion of a negotiations class. The recording was online for about two weeks before students noticed the conversation. The video was reported Monday morning and then taken down soon after. Trainer, who's the dean, said he had learned this week about a conversation between two faculty members that included reprehensible stu- statements concerning the evaluation of black students. I'm sorry, this is, it's just, this is ridiculous. It's a deliberate misinterpretation of what is very obviously a sympathetic position toward black students. Apparently, this is pretty great, Tiffany Wright a former Supreme Court law clerk who graduated from Georgetown Law in 2013. They dug this person up to comment for the Washington Post. Now a practicing attorney and co-director of the Human and Civil Rights Clinic at Howard University said she's been dealing with a kind of microaggressions espoused by Sellers since she was a student. She's used to people doubting her abilities and seeing black people held to different standards than their white peers. Quote, it also has an effect over time on our mental health. You start to absorb and believe those lies. Which ones? She said some of her best performing students are black. So which lies are you believing? The lie that says that some perform well and some perform badly, because that's true of every racial group. Or the truth, which is that sometimes racial groups disproportionately perform well or badly in particular academic settings. It's just, it's an absurdity, but it doesn't matter. It does not matter. By the way, the Black Law Students Association also accused a, uh, a professor named Kerry Menkel Meadow, a professor emerita at Georgetown Law and professor at UC Irvine, of using the N-word in a class. 
She denied using the word. She said it was in an article she had assigned to students about regulating hate speech. And the Black Law Students Association tried to have her fired for assigning a, for assigning a piece about hate speech that included the N-word, which is necessary to explain hate speech. And by the way, this whole woke cancel culture nonsense, it's going international now. Apparently, a white translator was removed from an Amanda Gorman poem in Europe. So Amanda Gorman is this bizarrely popular national youth poet laureate. Can't say I'm supremely enamored with her work. We'll also admit I'm not a huge poetry fan, so maybe she's amazing. and I just don't know it. But um, I, I've never heard a poem of hers that I didn't think was just prose divided up into, into kind of random doggerel. In any case, the, uh, the, there is a, a Catalan translator, apparently in Spain, who's been removed from a job translating a poem by Amanda Gorman because he did not, quote, fit the profile. The move by the Barcelona publisher Universe marks the second instance of controversy in Europe around the choice of a white person being chosen to translate The Hill We Climb by Gorman, who is black. Translator Victor Obiols told AFP on Wednesday, Universe had commissioned him last month to translate Gorman's work into Catalan. After he completed the job, the publishing house informed him he was not the right person. He said, they told me I am not suitable to translate it. They did not question my abilities, but they were looking for a different profile, which had to be a woman, young, activist, and preferably black. <laughs> so you can't even translate words now unless you are a person who, who absolutely mirrors the person who wrote the word in every respect. In fact, only Amanda Gorman can translate Amanda Gorman into Catalan. All she has to do is learn Catalan, and then it'll be no problem. This is the absurdity of our divisive and polarized culture, and it is only going to get worse from here on in. Okay, meanwhile, speaking of divisive and polarized culture, I'd be remiss if I did not comment on the Myers-Leonard situation. So Myers-Leonard is a forward for the Miami Heat. Okay, and Myers-Leonard is very controversial in the NBA because he chose not to kneel for the national anthem. That's why he first became controversial in the NBA. You see, in the NBA, it is considered good taste to kneel for the national anthem and bad taste to stand for the national anthem. So he was already controversial. Okay, so he does all of these kind of video gaming streams, does Myers-Leonard. And while he was doing one of these video gaming streams, he dropped the K-word for Jews. Okay, the K-word for Jews is, it, it dates back to, I believe, Germany. I believe is the origin of it. It comes from the, the German term for circle because Jews back in the early, 18, the early 19th century were forced to wear a circle in public. And so that turned into the, the term that rhymes with Mike but starts with K, okay? I don't like to say racial slurs on the program. So, so that term was used by Myers Leonard. Now, as a person who's received more anti-Semitic comments than I would probably say any American, like literally all the Americans, um, in 2016, I was named this by the ADL. I'm the, I have the trophy on my, on my wall. It's, it's fantastic. The one that says I was the most targeted person by anti-Semitism on Twitter for all of 2016. Uh, so I, I know what anti-Semitism looks like, and I know what it's like to be targeted by anti-Semitism. You don't get the K-word a lot, except from kind of alt-writers. That's pretty much the only place that you get the K-word. Myers-Leonard is not a member of the alt-right. My guess is that Myers-Leonard was playing video games a lot, and there were a bunch of gabbers in there, you know, 8chan folks. And some of those people were using the word. He didn't know what the word meant. And so he used the word one time. I don't think that he thought, oh, Jew, that means K-word. And this is what he said. He said, you know, I didn't know what the word meant. I thought it was just sort of a gamer thing that people were saying. And so I said it. Okay, that's bad. It's an accident. It is certainly less bad than, say, LeBron James putting out an Instagram post saying that he was going to get him some Jewish money. He literally put out an Instagram post just a couple of years back that said, we've been getting that Jewish money. Everything is kosher. There's a picture of himself 
tweeting those lyrics to 45 million people. Okay, now, here's the thing. Both of these things are not great. Right? One of them is explicitly anti-Semitic in terms of you know, the Jewish money thing. The other one is pretty obviously coming from a place of, of tremendous ignorance. Myers Leonard apologized. LeBron James apologized. Myers Leonard was hit with a $50,000 fine, the maximum allowed by league policy, and suspended from using all Miami Heat facilities and activities for one week in response to his use of the term. Adam Silver said that he believes Leonard is genuinely remorseful. He said Myers Leonard's comment was inexcusable, hurtful. Such an offensive term has no place in the NBA or in our society. He's going to be required to participate in a cultural diversity program. Silver said, we have further communicated to Myers that derogatory comments like this will not be tolerated and who will be expected to uphold the core values of our league, equality, tolerance, inclusion, and respect at all times moving forward. So that was the maximum fine that could be issued by Adam Silver for anything. It's unclear how this will affect Leonard's standing with the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat said Leonard would be away from the team indefinitely. And they said that they are going to continue to communicate with Myers as he educates himself in all of this. Okay, so that's what happened to Myers Leonard. What happened to LeBron James after LeBron James Instagrammed out, we've been getting that Jewish money, everything is kosher. What happened to him? Nothing. Of course, nothing happened to LeBron James. Or what happened to um, Dwayne Wade, another person who has been a star for the Miami Heat, when, for example, Dwayne Wade defended Nick Cannon. You remember that Nick Cannon was fired because he went on this wild anti-Semitic diatribe in the middle of a podcast. Dwayne Wade came out and tweeted, we are with you with an emoji of a black fist. Keep leading. He tweeted to Nick Cannon. Was Dwayne Wade hit with, um, you know, any, uh, any fine by the NBA? And even if he was retired by that point, he's still associated with, with the league. He's still associated with, I believe, one of the teams, I think the Heat. So uh, was there anything that happened to uh, Dwayne Wade? How about, you know, actually other active players? Like, for example, it turns out that that other players, including Kevin Durant, expressed sympathy for Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson had issued a wild anti-Semitic statement. He had suggested that Jewish people own all the banks. And he had, uh, he had put up anti-Semitic content on Instagram, including a quote misattributed to Adolf Hitler. He was defended by former NBA player Steven Jackson. And then... J.R. Smith and Kevin Durant both liked Stephen Jackson's posts on Instagram. Did either J.R. Smith or Kevin Durant get fined by the NBA? So here's what we have here. We have anti-Semitism coming from LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, J.R. Smith, and Kevin Durant. And then an anti-Semitic slur used presumably accidentally by Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard, who is white, gets fined $50,000 and suspended for a week and indefinitely by the Heat. Nothing for LeBron, nothing for KD, nothing for J.R. Smith, nothing for Dwayne Wade. Weird. Very, very strange. So do I think that the NBA cares about bigotry or do I think that the NBA is wildly biased in how it applies its standards of justice? Yes, I'm talking about the same NBA that thought that it was completely fine for LeBron James to undercut the Hong Kong freedom movement because they're making money in China, but continue to suggest that black men are under existential threat in a country where LeBron James is one of the most powerful cultural figures in America earning literally $100 million a year, probably. I mean, like, Yes, it turns out that the NBA has a bit of an agenda here and that agenda has something to do with race and that agenda has something to do with politics and it has very, very little to do with principle. None of that's an excuse for Myers Leonard. But Myers Leonard, if he's going to be fined, then certainly all these other players should have been fined. And by the way, I happen to believe that Myers Leonard did that by accident. I do not think that it was by accident when you defend Nick Cannon saying openly anti-Semitic things or when you put up posts that say, get in that Jewish money. 
to, to the applause, apparently, and non-punishment of the NBA. Alrighty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. First, you cannot forget to end your week by checking out The Andrew Clavin Show. Drew's show is every Friday. He's got an exciting night planned for you. So head on over to dailywire.com this evening at 7 p.m. Eastern and tune in. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our assistant director is Pavel Wydowski. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant is Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the Republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the Republic with me, Andrew Claven. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 